Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are here for Wire in the Blood, the movie. <laughs> you see why I refer to it as that, right? Yes. Well, in fact, a funny thing was, is I was watching it this time, and it reminds me of A Time to Kill. Oh, totally. Totally. Like, it's that's really... The, that's the visual aesthetic they are absolutely going for. Yeah. It's just a time to kill. Yeah. Um, totally. You know, the corruption, everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are making their John Grisham, you know, sweaty Southern crime lawyer story. Yeah. It's just Tony Hill happens to be there. Yes. In an amazing coincidence, Tony Hill happens to be there when a John Grisham movie starts happening. So we get Robson Green instead of Mike McConaughey. Yeah. Matthew (laughs) McConaughey. Yeah. Basically, yes. Yeah. Basically what it is. Or, you know, John Cusack or any of the many people who were in uh, those movies over the years. I think um, McConaughey and... uh, No Time to Kill, but there were plenty of them. That's my point, you know. Even Tom Cruise. Even Tom Cruise in The Firm, yeah. Yeah. But that is definitely... Oh, no, The Firm's fantastic. No one's questioning The Firm. Uh, So the movie opens... I say the movie. The episode opens (laughs) with a woman uh, being nervous about someone coming up to her house and rushing the children upstairs. And then some amount of time later, she has been murdered and the children are hiding under the bed. And the killer comes up the stairs to find them. And based on how the killer is dressed and everything about his whole vibe, this is 100% a a guy who is there to kill and has a very uh, methodical approach to it. So they are telling us, the audience, when we get introduced to who is be- about to be convicted of the crime, we know right away he didn't do it. Yes. Like right away, because we saw what happened. It is a, you know, an omnipotent look at, uh, the actual thing that occurred. There is no mystery in the episode. Like we don't know who did it. We know this guy didn't. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting I, way to frame it. Yeah. I thought, it, well, I always thought that was, that was good because you see this tall guy with the you cowboy just, hat and the coat. Cowboy hat on. Yeah. You know, and then you see. <laughs> The rest of it is just Tony battling Southern Texas. Yep. So oh, my God. But you know what? We'll get there as we go, because there's a lot to this episode. So after we see the murder, we cut to Tony, who is in a pool, right, swimming in a pool in uh, his terrible motel in Texas. No, that isn't, isn't it? Don't we see him on the road? That's first? later. First is the pool. Yeah. Yeah, and he's ta- and he does his little uh his little monologue about the history, about the guy who killed his beauty queen wife and all of that stuff. Now they're in Luther, Texas, population eighteen thousand. And then we cut to him walking down the road, carrying his plastic bag, and he has chosen to dress up for court the way and meetings the way he always does, which is a shirt, a tie, a sweater, and his jacket. And you're like you know you're in Texas, though. But Tony doesn't like change. No, his sweater vest. I know. The sweater vest. Oh, yeah. That was thing. Yeah, and then, then he has to, to climb into the water trough. Yes. To keep he... from massively overheating. Oh, yeah. it's, very, it's a very cute scene. 
yes, taking off his shoes and his socks. And then along comes the district the attorney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the assistant DA. assistant district attorney. Yes. Who drives the only Prius in Texas, as we're told. <laughs> Which I thought was a nice joke. Uh, but it's supposed, but it is a nice joke that also sets up her character because we will find out soon enough that, uh, the only reason Tony is here to testify is that she is the one running the case and has refused to go to, uh, get the death penalty. Yes. And that's, a, that's an interesting element of the episode that I don't think gets delved into enough, but we'll talk about that a little as we go on. Yeah. It, yeah, they don't focus on it. And I think if it had been, if it had been an American yeah. writing, right, that would have been a, a bigger a part. The big, the, this problem of even back in that, when was this done? 2007? Seven, I think. Something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the death penalty issue is a huge one in the States. It's not huge in Britain. Right? No. Well, because they don't have the death penalty there. Yeah. They got rid of it back in the 70s. As I explained to my ESL students, we don't have the... But not even for... No. No, for nothing. nothing. We don't have the death penalty. And I said, nobody wants to... There is no serious... No, no, no. There is no serious political movement for bringing it back. There are the crazies. I'm sure the People's Party of Canada would love to bring back hanging people, but they're the People's Party of Canada, you know? Yeah, whereas it, whereas basically the Canadian sensibility is we do not have the death penalty, and so therefore yeah. you would have to you would have to have such a massive shift in our culture mm -hmm. for people who even think that 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 certain people get off too easy and blah 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 blah, they don't tend to want the death penalty. Our problem, of course, is the changing demographic. Because the more immigrants you bring in, just about all of them come from death penalty countries. Yeah. And I, I was, I was looking at my class the other day and I went, not one of them comes from, not one of these 20 odd students comes from a country that yeah. has no death penalty. Oh, that's weird. Oh, well, it's no Russia. You I know. Can, I all know. of these places have the death penalty. It may vary what you can get executed for, but they all have the death penalty. They all have the death penalty. Eastern so Europe, the Middle East, and I guess Japan are the only places left in the world that have the death penalty. South Korea, maybe? I don't know if South Korea has it. We should check that. I think, because I remember I was looking at that. It's, I it came up in an episode of television, I assume. Well, when we were, no, when we were watching um, Criminal Minds South Korea, it came up. Oh, right. It did. Yes, of course. No, no, no. But you've forgotten. Uh, in that episode, they say, this episode is set in a near future after they have brought back the death penalty. Yeah. yeah. They actually, they, they wanted to do Riding the Lightning so badly. They had to suddenly set the show in a sci-fi future where there is the death penalty in South Korea. That's how excited they were about riding the lightning, which, you know, good choice, uh, yes. but it is interesting. It is hard to do, though, when you don't have the death penalty. Yeah. Yes, it is, like, South Korea has a whole bunch of things that come and go. It's very strange. Oh, yeah. that military dictatorship. That, that was could, there. Yeah. 
military really screwed up South Korea for a while. Middle, military dictatorships tend to do that. Look what happened to Brazil, you know? Yeah. You put in a military dictatorship, it tends not to go well for anybody, but like the three guys making money at the top of the military dictatorship and the, you know, various criminals who get to do whatever they, uh, yeah, their friends, a bunch of murderous criminals who get to do whatever they want for a couple of years. Anyway, uh, let's just say we're not too fond of military dictatorships here. Uh, all right. So they go in. We find out. Talking about Texas. Yeah. Back to Texas. Exactly. Uh, so we get word that Tony is in town to work on this case because uh, he is going to provide context for this guy. The uh, the guy is going to jail. Probably. He As the DA, as the assistant DA said, he murdered his wife and his babies. He's not. They're not letting him go. Right. There's no way. Uh, but, you know, they want to make absolutely sure because his lawyer, who she thinks isn't too impressive intellectually, is putting on defense that he blacked out and had PTSD. Right. And yeah. so he was not responsible for his actions. He had PTSD from his time in Iraq, where he was briefly. Right. And it's going to be Tony's job since he was accused of a crime in England and Tony interviewed him to say that he showed no symptoms of PTSD then, and this is all just an act. Yes, but yeah, it's interesting because, of course, he has confessed. Yes, he has confessed, and so the defense is literally just diminished capacity. So they need a therapist to say, right, a psychologist to come in and say he is not having d diminished capacity. It is just an act. Wait, yes, but he has been brought in not by the defense team. That's what I'm saying. He yeah, is the guy who's being brought in to say it's not diminished capacity. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. The and, prosecution. And, but has she's not away. asking, she's not asking for the death penalty. No. And he said, why not? And she said, I don't approve of it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So that, that meant, and she said, would you have come over if it was a death penalty case? And he said, no. Yeah. And I think that's crucial to kind of the, uh, kind of Tony, uh, Tony's ideas of justice. And I find that really interesting. And given what happens later, it kind of suggest, I mean, it suggests something that we'll talk about given what happens later in the plot, but we don't have to now. Uh, so the lawyer and his assistant. So Mr. DeCoscio and Ms. Addison and Addison is the one from like some, uh, you know, Southern Justice Center. You know, the, the equivalent of some sort of Southern Poverty Law Center or anti-death penalty group or whatever you want to call it, right? That she has come in to help out with the case because the case is seen to be unwinnable. So it, they need someone to come in and give them like tips for how to handle the media in a case like this when, you know, he murdered his family. Nobody's going to like him. Oh, and the judge asks when she finds out that Tony uh, is staying at the worst hotel in town, she's like, get him out of there. Why is he staying there? And he announces that he wants someplace uh, like in the Terminator. Yeah. Well, the, actually it's, it's, it's the assistant DA. No, right? uh, no, no. Uh, who says, no, no. She, she says, uh, the judge says, why did you put him there? And he says, and she tells the judge, you know, no, he insisted on staying in a place like that. And the judge asks, why on earth would you do that? And he explains, because, you know, Terminator, I want the American experience. And the American experience is staying in a sleazy, shady, too sweaty motel with a bad air conditioner that clicks all night. <laughs> 
It was like, if I'm going to go to Texas, I'm going to go to Texas, you know? I'm going to stay in the place that Linda Hamilton Hamilton stayed. In the church. Although he does not know uh, John Connor's name, which is actually very funny. Yes. He he thinks his name is Jason. Yes. The judge reminds him. Has to correct him about the name. Corrects him about the name. But that's pretty funny. Well, that goes with Tony, who can remember myriads of things about criminals, but apparently his memory is not that great. When it comes to pop culture stuff. Regular and day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just thought I'd let you know. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Ah, uh, we love him. But yes, he explains why he's there. He gives a whole speech about uh, why he's there, because they try to strike him as a witness, right? As saying that his prior knowledge means that he can't be trusted, which is kind of there crazy. revenge. Yeah. He's there because he escaped justice in England and he's there to punish it or there to punish him. And the key part is he apparently raped a girl in Bradfield a couple of years ago. Right. And he claimed he blacked out and had PTSD. And Tony said, there's no way he does. I don't believe him at all. And we do a little flashback to the interrogation, Mm -hmm. which is a very nicely shot scene where they put the two of them in a black space with some lights in the background and they've got, um, and they've got like a lit table underneath. It's a very nicely shot scene. Uh, but he said it wasn't PTSD then. And I'm sure he's faking it again. And that's why I'm here. And, you know, uh, like given that the guy clearly lied about it last time and obviously didn't have any PTSD, it makes sense that they would think, Oh, well he's doing it again. Let's get Tony here. Like this all tracks completely logically. Yes, and it's it's very interesting because as Tony says, they didn't they didn't get to try him because the military just whisked him away back to the States and discharged him. Yeah. Exactly. And but, they uh and but they and they say that PTSD is an incredibly hard thing to diagnose because it has so many potential symptoms. Yeah. And it could be latent. Yep. He's, Tony says, well, that is the one thing. It could be latent, so I need to see him mm-hmm. I need to see all of this. Yeah, he needs to see him. He needs to talk to him. And then we've got the sheriff uh, who arrested Darius. That's the supposed killer. They bring him in to see the files and then watch the videos. All right. And then we see the uh, the videos. We see him in the hospital. Darius is in the hospital. He's been shot. We won't find out the details of that until later. And they're confronting him with the fact that he murders his family, which he claims to not remember. Yes. And that's key. And so they go to refresh his memory. (laughs) And then his lawyer shows up. Yeah. His lawyer rushes in to shut down the interrogation. And the camera gets turned off, so we don't see what the lawyer says to him. No, they all... He's in. And then... But we... Do not at this point, I don't think, but we do get the the next video is when he's talking with his lawyer. With yeah, him. we will see that later. But right yeah. now they just shut it off and he meets the deputy who is the son of the, uh, right, Who's uh, who is the son of the sheriff, coincidentally, and seems very off put. And now Tony turns on the video and we see that he is now ready to confess. The lawyer is there. He has spent X amount of time talking to Darius. We don't know how long. And now he is ready to give his confession. And right away, still in his hospital bed, he gives his confession about how he killed his family. Although we do not see that yet. No. 
No. That is key. Ah, yes. And <laughs> Tony grabs the giant box of evidence uh, so he can take it back to the hotel room and create a conspiracy board and whatnot. <laughs> yes. And then the sheriff says, no, you can't take the files out. And then Tony says, yeah, but you know, I'm going to be here all night. Yeah. Do you want me to just... <laughs> some money. Yeah. Save yourself some money. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you want to pay for, uh, yeah, you want to pay for, because I'm working for the city. Do you want to pay for photocopies and take forever? Just let me take the files home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so, uh, yeah. it's nice. But he also goes by the graves of the family. The And the sheriff's like, why? And he's like, because I'd like to get to know my victims. You know, unfortunately, most of my victim, most of the victims in my cases are dead. So I have to do whatever I can to figure them out. So he goes to the graves. So he goes to the graves and he hears that the daughter, uh, both children were stabbed once to kill them, but the daughter, it didn't go right through her heart. So she took minutes and minutes and minutes to slowly bleed to death. Ugh. Oh. Yeah. And then we find out that uh, we get a very funny scene. Okay. I, I say funny. I mean, it's a good line uh, where they're, uh, they're watching the video of Darius surrendering to the police because he called the police and said that his family was dead and then walked out front for the police with a gun in his hand and raised the gun to get shot. And, uh, as the, uh, the sheriff says, uh, it's kind of shameful. Uh, so he only got hit. He said they, they, they all shot, shot 12 all. times and he only got hit three times and it didn't kill him. And it didn't kill him. Like it's what the hell kind of, uh, you know what the hell kind of men are uh am i dealing with yeah. uh and the funny part is we get a clear look in case you didn't already understand that he didn't kill his family we see how he was covered in blood on the night he was shot yes right and he's dressed completely differently than the killer was yes so it's perfectly obvious right now to the audience that he didn't do, like He's not the killer. We know that. We just don't know what's happening. Also, Tony flashes and imagines himself as the guy getting shot because, again, that's what he always does. He puts himself in the victim's state of mind. And the interesting thing is he's already thinking of Darius as a victim here, subconsciously, yeah. which is a nice touch. Yeah, it is a nice touch. And as, he, as they said, yes, what he was trying to do was suicide by cop. Yeah, exactly. Because so he wouldn't have to do it himself. And yep. uh, we find out that uh, the brother, sorry, the son of the sheriff and the killer were best friends since they were no, kids. Darius. Yeah, yes. Darius, the killer. Oh, sorry, yes, the supposed killer. Yes, who he not thinks the is killer. killer. You're right. Uh, Darius were best friends since childhood and they even went to war together. But uh, his son, the deputy, got injured and got sent home early. Mm -hmm. So that suggests something was going on there. Yeah, and it's it's really it's really strange how they have him play it. I I was deliberate. It's not strange, right? Because you're always there's something just off about the sheriff's son. Yeah, the whole throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, until we you know have that, we do eventually find out what it is. But yeah, like Tony from the first time he meets him knows there's something going on. Uh, then we see more of Darius's, uh, confession explaining that his wife was going to leave him and take the kids. And that's why he had to do it. And he stabbed her and the, uh, 
and the kids went and hid, and so we had to go and track them down. And he seems very direct and cold in his recitation of these facts. And Tony is, you know, something bothers him about it, but he doesn't know quite what yet. Then Tony goes outside, and we see the car he's rented. Jeez. Freaking falling apart. Oh, this ridiculous, you know, uh, beat-up old American muscle car. Uh, and of course, he can't stop getting in the wrong side of it because he's British. <laughs> it's a cute is, little joke. Nothing else, a man of habit. He is. He absolutely is. But I just love that uh, big state classic car rentals because he wants like the most American experience he can have. And the whole scene of him getting into his car is shot from the point of view of someone mysteriously watching him from another car. Yeah. And he drives out to the house where the murder took place to try and get a sense of it. And once again, uh, he's goes over the, um, he goes over the backstory and he thinks that, uh, what could have motivated the wife was cheating on him while he was away, presumably, and she was going to leave him for another man. And so she, he, uh, he killed her and it's like, he's like, this makes sense logically. And so what does he do? He goes in and uh, crawls under the bed to imagine what it was like being the kids, watching their father come up the stairs to murder them. Yes. Yeah. And while he's doing that, the deputy comes in. Yes. To be even creepier. (laughs) To be even creepier. It's like, what the hell are you doing out here? It's a really good question, actually. Tony explains he likes to see what it felt like to be these victims and then the deputy says yes but the little girl mm-hmm. didn't die here yep. you know she, she was she ran and he caught her but so ran and caught her and he found her lying on the floor in a pool of blood and this is the blood that was all over the yep. uh, Darius as well we should just call him Darius yeah we'll so. just uh, for clarity's sake we'll say Darius from now on uh, so then Tony goes back to his hotel room and the woman from the Southern Justice Department, you know, the, the nonprofit that helps people who are accused, probably an anti-death yep. penalty organization. We never get any details about it. Come back, comes to talk to him. Right. And, uh, she says that Darius was, uh, known to be an idiot in the army. Like, incapable of thinking things through. They called him 40 Watt because he was a dim bulb. And she thinks it was a, uh, the cops did a forced confession. Yes. That is her point of view on the subject. That the cops forced him into a confession and he didn't actually do it. Because, you know, that's what cops do. I'm like, okay, I see where she's coming from. Yeah, and I he- know it. Yeah. It it's, it tracks. Like that's the funny thing about this whole episode. For the most part, it does track clearly. Oh yeah. It, there's nothing really that is just weird. Mhm. So. And but the interesting thing is he says when he watches the uh he's like I I watched all the times the uh police spent with him, right? I saw all of the time the police spent with him and nothing about it looked like a coerced interrogation. No. Like, this does not look like a coerced um, 
confession because I watched them talk to him and then the lawyer came in and threw out and the lawyer threw them out. And then after the lawyer talked to him, then he confessed. So it's like, there is no sign that the cops did any of the sleazy stuff cops can do to make a confession happen, which is a lot of stuff. Yes. And for those of us who are watching it the first time, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You you, You know, you're going, yeah, but why did he confess? Mm-hmm. If he was not confessing before, but anyway, we'll again. That was, I mean, my thought. Well, it was weird. Yeah. You know, when he, we don't really do. We ever really see his confession? It's just that when you see him in the bed, and he's just calm and he's clear, and yes, he makes his confession. Yeah. With his lawyer there. No, it's a very interesting scene, and it's like. They keep you really in the dark about what's going on with these very, with these characters in a very interesting way. And yes. it pays off really well later. So now, uh, Tony goes to see Darius in prison and we get a little bit of fun stuff with him talking to the assistant DA about why she didn't want to try a case. And she's like, you know, I, I don't see any reason for it. Why it should, why it should be murder. I don't see any reason why it should be a death penalty case. You know, like it's a horrible situation. He was obviously a troubled guy. So let's just put him in jail for the rest of his life. What's the, what's the harm in that? Or, or, or the locked in psych facility for the rest of his life. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's the interesting thing. They, um, Tony asks, okay, well, let's say we decide he did have PTSD. What is the punishment going to be? And she's like 15 to 20 years in an asylum, you know? So really, is that so different than getting a conviction? Which is a pretty good point, actually. Like, there's no real downside for this. And that's, I think, why, uh, the, she doesn't have a dog in the fight of whether the PTSD gets put in after all, because it's not like if he gets diminished capacity for PTSD, he walks out the door. He doesn't. He gets locked away for 20 years either way, you know? So it's an interesting point. She's against the death penalty. And so she's actually fine with either outcome, which is a nice touch. Uh, So Tony does his interview. And talks about the, uh, starts off with the, uh, the girl he assaulted in Bradfield. Yeah. And that's. To judge his baseline reactions. Yes. Come on. (laughs) It was, it was an, it was an interesting interview, that one. Yeah. I liked how it was written. And I think it's a very good performance on both parts. Yes. And, and you can see though, that he is different than he was in the Bradfield interrogation. Yeah. He, he try, well, he tries to start out the same, cocky yes. and sure of himself, and it quickly crumbles as Tony yeah. talks to him, starts yeah. talking to him about his family. Yeah, so that's, there's something, it has gone on, what it is, Tony has to figure out. Yeah. That's his whole point being there, but in the meantime, he's got nobody to bat, bat things around with, nobody to talk to about. He is in a strange environment, a very strange environment for him. Mm -hmm. And then we get the, uh, we get the really funny scene where he tries to trigger, uh, see if Darius has a pronounced, uh, startle reflex. 
Yes. Because <laughs> that's a one symptom of PTSD. And then Darius hits the table back and is like, you startle more than I do. Tony's like, well, I probably do have PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, you do, Tony. You have been through some stuff. That is yeah. 100% true. Uh, like you're saying it in a joking way, but you 100% have PTSD. There is yeah. no question in my mind. Uh, but yeah, so that's a nice, uh, and they, they talk about faked psychological conditions. Is he hearing voices? You know, is he hearing voices? Is he going through all of this, uh, the normal traditional stuff that you see in people trying to fake they have mental conditions to get out of, uh, various crimes? But then Tony tries to, like, just talk about the details of the actual crime and, whew, Darius does not respond well to hearing them. Like, he no. really, he really doesn't. He breaks down when he starts actually having to talk about the way the family was killed. Mm -hmm. And that actually causes him to freak out. And turn, and, uh, turn over the table. And the guards take him away. Yeah. It's a nice scene. Like, it's a really good interview scene. All right. Then uh, Tony goes to me outside to get back to his car and runs into the actual DA. Yes. And, uh... <laughs> slime. Yeah, really slimy. And it turns out that there was a listening device. Because uh, after flipping over the table, Tony runs back and he noticed that there was a microphone inside the uh, interview room. And the DA explained, oh no, we were trying to catch a pedophile. I guess we just forgot to remove it. And, uh, of course, we had seen him and the assistant DA listening in on the interview anyway. <laughs> so we know that's a lie, but it's like, he's slimy and he's convincing in his lies. So you immediately know to be suspicious of this dude. And then he tells him, no, this, uh, this Darius is a bad guy. He's a drug dealer. He's always been a bad drug dealer. <laughs> it was arrested. Yeah. And then he got off. Yep. And he says, if I had uh, put him in jail, like, if I had put him in jail for his drug dealing, his family would still be alive. So, boom. And now we've got an extra piece of the puzzle as this gets more and more uh, convoluted. Yes. Yeah. We the see, uh, oh, you were saying? No, no. I was just going to say bits and pieces being dropped and... Yes. Yeah, lots of stuff getting established really quickly. So then at night when he's writing up his case files, he phones Alex, not understanding that, well, it's it's 10 p.m. No, it's 9 p.m. here. So, so it's got to be like four in the morning in Bradfield. Yeah, six hours later. Yeah, so he's got to leave a message. <laughs> he's got to leave a message. Uh, so he starts talking about the case and the town and... The fact that uh, he's probably being listened in on by the authorities since they're happy with uh, bugging places. And he can't understand why this guy, like, is obviously so traumatized hearing about the death of his family if he did it. Like, the profiles don't make sense. And, and so he's like, if he did do it, which Tony is still assuming he did, was he not aware of the crimes as they happened? Because his... Uh, his wife was, like, brutally stabbed over and over again, essentially tortured to death with stabbings. And hearing about that and what happened to his kids triggers him like he's finding out about it. So it's very... And he's like, 
And we've just done the multiple personality thing last week. So why wouldn't he know about it? Was he aware of what he was doing is the real question. Or the other issue is, did he do it? Yeah. Or possibly, did he do it? Uh, So the woman from the, uh, from the legal charity comes to see him again uh, to tell him that Darius has tried to kill himself. Yep. Right after their meeting that same night, he managed to kill himself. How? Uh, Tony accidentally left his pen in the room after the guy flipped the table. Well, it was actually Alex's pen. Well, yeah, but that Tony stole from Alex. (laughs) You're right, because later he says that she'd likely be an accessory to the crime. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But they catch him. They get to Darius in time and he's, you know, he's fine. Yeah. So we're still, this is going forwards very slowly in some ways. And mm-hmm. I did find sometimes it was kind of long and oh yeah, confusing. Like I could keep it straight, but. Yeah, it is. It is a convoluted episode because he asks the lawyer about what Darius's drug history was. And we find out that there was an unbelievably shady investigator working for the um, uh, the sheriff's office in this town who was essentially framing people for drug dealing and throwing them in jail forever just to make the drug, de- you know, for the to make the crime stats look good, which I mean. This is an actual thing that happens in America. It happens a lot. There's a lot of documentaries and movies and TV shows about this. So it's like, it's a good thing for them to be commenting on. But uh, so she's like, he didn't do the drug dealing either. Plenty of people got to jail forever, but he managed to sign up to go to Iraq. And so he got out of it. And that guy, and he's like, that investigator was, that undercover investigator was fired and now things have been cleaned up by the new guy who's currently running the place, is what we're told. Yes, and 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 yes, yeah. And as all DAs, he's going to run for another office. Of course, yeah, one hundred percent. But yes, supposedly everything's been cleaned up. All right, and now now is where we get the uh, the phone call to Alex's answering machine, where he says it was her pen. Yeah. The second phone call to the answering machine hasn't figured out the time difference yet. No. And, you know, uh, it's it's sad that we don't see any of the regular crew this week. But the whole thing seems like was actually shot in America. So mm-hmm. with American actors playing everybody. So it was kind of a big yes. deal. Oh, no, it was. Yeah, it was not- it was very nice not to have to. List, put up with the accents. Yes, Brits trying to be Americans. <laughs> yeah, their American accents aren't great. We've been rewatching Poirot, and uh, oof. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It it's because it becomes so stilted. There's something truly stilted. It's like they can't because the American accents tend to be, um making English less stressful to speak. Yeah. Like everybody is much more relaxed with their mouth than with their, they leave off different words instead of doing, Oh, they, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, never mind. I don't even want to try and explain it, but for the most part, yeah, right, they're not using their um, all of the the parts of your face that when you speak English, well, it's very tiring for people to speak English. I can, I mean, I go visit my my cousins and stuff and ask my, <laughs> well, you know, it's really tiring to speak English. It's not just brain tiring, it's physically tiring to speak English if you don't do it all the time and you want to speak. So when Brits try to do, but it's very, it means it's very relaxing. They'll drop all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. And um, it's very relaxing. And I think that is what's the difference is that when you get Brits trying to do American accents, there are some exceptions, of course, but for the most part, it is very difficult for them to drop G's and to yeah. do the, to change. That and kind they, of casualness of enunciation that Americans do. And yes, they can do it, but it's not casual. Yeah. They're choosing to do it, which is why you get the pronunciate uh the pronounced R's. Yeah. America. Mm. When they're trying to do the American accent. Which is weird. Yeah, very weird. And it doesn't matter whether they're trying to do southern accents or whether they're trying to do Boston accents or they run into the same issues. Yeah, they run into the same issues. Okay. It's um, very, very weird. But Never mind, they can do French accents, fine. Yep. They can right. do all those others, but the American ones, and it's... It's tough, tough. yeah. So, now so Tony goes out to see the... Uh, now Tony goes out to see the investigator, right? Hoping to, you know, get some kind of a lead out of that. Fingers crossed. And this is where things get interesting, because he has a whole long scene with the investigator, which is a very nice scene, I just want to say. Yep. That guy's so relaxed. Yeah, uh, that that guy is relaxed. So he is like, uh, yeah, maybe I framed some people, but he has that, you know, that cop thing of saying, I may have framed some people, but I only framed people who I knew were guilty of things. So maybe they didn't do the specific thing I caught them for, but I sure as hell, you know. Didn't put innocent people, people in, in jail. jail. Yeah, because that is how cops always rationalize this behavior. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing that you see, like, and the thing is, it's like, when I was a kid, I'm like, I saw that over and over again in fiction. And then like, oh no, that's a real thing. That is a real way that cops look at the world. Cause like the more you see about all of these false confessions and these framing people, the cops really do like, they have this, this weird, I don't, I want to call it a disorder. It's this strange thing that you see in so many cops, which is an inability to admit they're wrong. Like the minute they decide that person X is thing and person Y is uh, something else, they're like, they're incapable of changing that. Like, and the, thing, and the thing is, is that they don't get, they, until recently, they don't get a lot of societal beat, you know, pushback on it. Yeah. Pushback on it because, well, yeah. So with these guys, it's sort of like the craze as we kind of craze, yeah. right? They, did they, they do, did they do the murder they went to jail for? Who the hell knows? They did plenty of others. Yeah, but they, yes, they were vicious psychopaths. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, yeah, it's an way interesting of looking at it. But you end up with this situation where, well, uh, the, uh, uh, the, did you see what John Oliver did about Law and Order? He did a, a segment all about the show Law and Order. 
I can't remember. Okay. No, I don't think so. Well, he points out that uh, the character of Olivia Benson, who whom we all love, mm-hmm. was based on the DA who prosecuted, the assistant DA, who prosecuted the Central Park 5 case. And, like, the crazy part is, she is a perfect example to this day of the worst of cops, you know, making a decision about people and being unable to change their mind. Because this day, she'll tell you not only that she was right uh, to uh, to attempt to convict them based on the evidence she was presented, she'll still tell you they probably did it even though they have been fully exonerated by both DNA and the actual killer, well, attempted murderer, confessing. Mm -hmm. But if you ask her, she'll say, oh no, I was right to convict them. They definitely did it. So it's like, yeah, it's this weird thing cops have of, they have been told by society that they are the arbiters of justice and thin blue lines, so, you know, separating order from chaos and all that nonsense. And so they te- they start believing about themselves and they start believing in their own infallibility. Well, let's and, just say they watch too many cop shows. <laughs> well, yes, that is that is probably what's really going on is they watch too many cop shows. But you know, <laughs> I think that gets that becomes implicit in the idea of. Well, society tells them, right? Society tells them that they can't be wrong, and I guess they just believe it, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's this guy's whole thing. I was justified. But it turns out Darius came to see him on the night he ki- he quote-unquote killed his wife. Mm-hmm. He came by to see him because this guy's working as an investigator now. Mm-hmm. And so he thought he might have heard something about his, what his wife had been up to while he was away. And the guy says, I didn't tell him anything. I didn't say he was cheating on him because I didn't know anything. She always kept everything close to the vest. And this is the key piece of information. Every man in the town always wanted this woman. So she had to be very careful about how she behaved and who she was seen with. And that is a very key piece of information we're getting now. That so she always had to put up with wanted or unwanted advances from men. Is the key information. All right. Then, uh, but, and this is the key part, we also find out that Darius wasn't in the front lines. He was in a transport. Right? He, he drove trucks for the military. Yep. Now, it's not that that's not a dangerous job. It's just he was not in one of the jobs you would associate with being with severe PTSD and severe trauma. And so, and this is the key part. He goes to uh, he goes to talk to the deputy about this, mm-hmm. and tells them, "You guys never actually got a Kuwait, did you? Like you didn't go to Iraq." Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. And then it turns out, well, that's not entirely the case. They did. The two of them had volunteered to go and drive some an ammo, essentially uh, a load of ammo, to some guys who were involved in the push. They took a wrong turn. They got ambushed, and under fire, Darius collapsed and hid in the truck. And when the deputy came to drag him out to safety, that's when the deputy got shot. So he essentially, that is the the source of his various negative feelings towards Darius. It destroyed his army career, saving his friend who turned coward under fire. Yes, and so... And but they're not going to talk about it again. But this explains why he's been so weird mm-hmm. all along, and he's just and he's not Darius's best friend anymore. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. And so Tony goes to see Darius. Right. And uh, says that now I think you might have had PTSD. Right. <laughs> uh, and of course, Darius denies it. You know, he's like, no, nothing bad happened. I wasn't traumatized because he he could never admit he turned coward and had to have his life saved. And that's why he ha- can't ever face his best friend, his former best friend again, because he would have to acknowledge that he had turned yellow, which is the one thing you could never say about yourself. So, yeah, that makes sense. In Texas. <laughs> nope. And now he explains uh, what happened when he was in Bradfield. Now that and that is very interesting. Oof. because. Tony just says, look, why don't you just come clean about Bradfield? Mm-hmm. You can't be like, you're you're going you're going to jail for the murder of your family. You've confessed. Nothing about Bradfield is going to come back on you. So just, you might as well tell me what happened. And, and it turns out that he called home one night. And when she answered the phone, when his wife answered the phone, there was another man in the house and she said it's no one on the phone and hung up the phone. Yeah, the guy says, who's that, babe? Yep. And, and he- boom. And yeah. so he went out looking to punish and hurt a woman because he was angry at his wife. And we actually do believe him that he just honestly didn't know it was a 15-year-old, probably. <laughs> he still committed sexual assault. Because uh, he was trying to take out anger he had against his wife, which is yep. not an he, uncommon thing. As he said, I wouldn't have cared who it was. Yeah. He just happened to be the first one. First you know. person who talked to me in the bar. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oof. So that settles that case, at least. Yep. But the problem is, and this is the key part, he actually, uh, it turns out, because they what they wanted to do was uh he said he was going to go out and get a woman and because the thing they got him in bradfield was why did you videotape it and he's like uh and he said that he didn't do any of that stuff and it turns out that his friends uh he had told his friends he was going to get go out and get a woman and they told him to you know bring her back to apartment x so he can use that so he doesn't have to try to like use the barracks and they're the ones who had put the video camera there to uh, watch a quote-unquote porn film, and they ended up recording the crime and making him look even more guilty than he was. So yeah, just a just a rough, just a guy who's not a great guy, and that's the interesting part. Yeah, no, he's he's not a great. Yeah, he's fundamentally not a great guy. He didn't do it, right? But as we will a... find out. As we will find out. Yeah, you know, Tony's getting more and more convinced. That yeah. there's a serious problem with this case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, you know, and he, so now do we go to the court scene? Uh, no, first he goes, uh, he gets the, he's like, okay, you were angry enough with your wife to assault this, uh, you know, to assault this yeah. child. Yeah. Right. So, and now he understands the anger, right? He completely gets the anger uh, that he had against his wife that could have driven him to do the brutal stabbing that would have killed his wife. But he says, what, you know, it's like, why did you stab your children? You had a gun there. You could have just executed them. It would have been less personal, less painful. And he says, no, I wanted to be close. You know, I wanted to punish them. Uh, But Tony's like, if you wanted to punish them, you would have 
you know, brutally stab them like you did your wife. They were cleanly executed. Why would you do it with a knife and not a gun? And the guy doesn't have an answer. Nope. And so now Tony is full on seeing that this guy didn't do it. Like he's not, he's not ready to express how he knows that why, but he's feeling it. Also, turns out the wife was sexually assaulted, but object raped with a knife handle. And so Tony says, Yeah. Is this where Tony asks him, What did you rape your wife with? Yeah. Oh, no, that comes later. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm getting this whole, like, I have this whole visual of the whole thing, but I can never place things where they are. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I get it. And the interesting thing, right? Uh, Jesus. And they actually uh, said sodomized, right? Because it was an object rape. And under the Texas code, any object rape is sodomy. It is not a question of where someone was raped. It is the object. It was the fact that it was a uh, an object rape means that under the legal code, the wife was sodomized. And that gets inter- that is, as you say, gets interesting for later. Also, uh, they find out that the, uh, he said he held his daughter close yeah. and she just kept asking for air, right? Like she couldn't breathe. And then Tony, uh, asks the, um, the, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the ME about that. And the ME says, we did find cotton fibers in the daughter's windpipe. So as she was bleeding to death, he held her close. And yeah. probably suffocated her as she was bleeding is their assumption. And the interesting thing becomes, again, this is not the actions of a man who was either enraged at his child or coldly executing his child. Yes. Like holding her close to him as he slow, as she slowly bled to death is not something you would associate with either of the motives we have been told about this murder. So it's like nothing is adding up. Yeah. Like every part of this is falling apart. Yeah, and uh, someone is continuing to stalk Tony and watch him while all of this is going on. And then we have a truly strange scene where Tony looks out the window and hallucinates that he's seeing a nun. Well, he walks out the door and he sees a nun. Yeah, so by the pool. Looks, he thinks he's hallucinating. We never know if he's hallucinating. Then he goes back in. Yeah, and he gets dressed for court. Well, no, and then he opens the curtains, and there are two, two of them. That's right. You know, and I forgot about that. They're smoking and having a drink. And, and like, is this you know, really and, happening? You know, yeah, and Tony's going, yeah, maybe it's a heat stroke, you know, yeah. whatever. But it could actually be, who knows, they could have been coming from a party. They could be staying there. You yeah. Know. Oh, exactly. And so, uh, but so Tony puts on his suit. And he goes down to have a meeting, and when he gets into a car, there's a rattlesnake. Rattlesnake in the car. Oh, oh, oh. No. It's so freaky. It was horrible. Yeah, that is really, that is unbelievably freaky. The idea of just having a, uh, and so he's like, well, you know, that private eye does keep rattlesnakes, so maybe he did this. And the DA is like, okay, well, maybe he did do it, man. Let's go talk to him. And Tony's like, I hardly believe he'd be dumb enough to use his own snakes. Yes. Which is, you know, it's not a bad point. And how would anybody, well, anyway, you'd be scared of a snake anyway. Well, yeah, I, of course. But it's like, uh, I think anybody would. So now we finally get the court scene. 
right? Where he says that the guy does not, uh, right? Do, uh, does not, what do you call it? Demonstrating any PTSD relating to his military, uh, time, military service. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, no Gulf War syndrome. And he's like, PTSD is about triggering going back to the traumatic thing that happened, right? Is about reliving the traumatic thing that happened and being able uh, to, being unable to escape this horrible moment, right? And at the same, and he's like, what he happened to him in Iraq, I'm sure was stressful, but it had nothing to do with his family and it had nothing to do with this kind of violence. So I don't see how it could have triggered that. And he gives a wonderful example. Yeah. He said if he was hallucinating that this was an Iraqi woman and, and Iraqi children, and he'd killed them, you know, or or In there was a bomb or yeah. something along those lines, that then yes, yeah. he could have had PTSD and thought his wife and his children, he was reliving that particular incident. But, but no, he just got shot that. at at a uh, in a convoy. Yeah. Oh and man. So there's nothing, there's nothing from Iraq to trigger him to kill his wife and his children. Yeah. So no PTSD related to Iraq or Kuwait. Yeah. And then uh, we have a wonderful scene where the the defense attorney comes up and you know talks about Tony's aneurysm and talks about Tony framing people and how Tony can't be trusted. And then Tony just screams at him and saying. Hey, if you're such a good attorney, why have you not explored an alternate theory of the crime? Like, why don't you find out who was sleeping with his wife? Why don't you find out who the other suspects are? Like, why are you just assuming he did it if you're this great a lawyer? And why use a knife and not a gun? Why not use a knife? Like, none of the elements of this crime make sense, and you're here saying PTSD? <laughs> so, yeah, it's clear at this point Tony doesn't even believe that the guy did it. Yeah. And the key part is, and we, uh, so... Uh, and what it ends up being a very key moment, the DA and the assistant DA come out and yell at Tony for freaking out on the stand. And Tony's like, how is any, like, why are you yelling at me? Yeah. You know, you guys must be terrible if you've ever lost a case to that terrible lawyer. <laughs> if he's that bad at it. So Tony gets back. And the private eye has broken into his apartment, broken into his place. And he wants to take Tony for a ride to talk about the town. And finally, we get a sense of what's going on. Yeah, the DA has taken over the case, right? The DJ has taken over the case because he thinks Julie botched everything. That's the woman with the Prius. Uh, yeah. By bringing Tony over and possibly screwing up the case. And he claims that the rattler wasn't his. Right. Tony's yeah. like, why? And Tony's like, hey, uh, why are, if you're not trying to threaten me, why are we going for a ride? And he's like, because I want to have a conversation where no one is actually going to hear us. Because, yeah. spoiler alert, someone tried to frame me for running you out of town. And I know I didn't do that. Yes. So, who's wanting to run you out of town and why? Because there's, and he's like, there's all sorts of drugs moving through this town and, and everybody's getting a piece of it everybody gets a piece of it and uh all the people i put away i was put away so we could say we had all of the numbers of fighting the drugs to keep everybody in the state and federally happy while everybody was getting paid off for letting tons of stuff through 
I was picking up nickel bag dealers and sending to jail for the rest of their lives so people wouldn't notice the tons of drugs that were coming through. And now it's and now that it's been cleaned up, yep, you know, with this new DA. Yep. You know, it's all been cleaned up, this new DA. And you know, he basically was implying that the, the DA was on the take, was oh, one of yeah. the ones that are, is on the take. Mm-hmm. And we did find out, I think, earlier that Tony's, that Darius's lawyer was the one that got him off. Yeah, we did find that out. Yes, before. Yeah, to uh, well, get him out of jail. Yeah, because he's been his lawyer for a while and got yeah, him and to go to the, uh, got him it, to go to uh, the army it, instead of going to jail. No, no, that was the point. Yeah. No, it was, no, it was the point that. His the lawyer just got him off. Got him off completely. Had yes. Nothing to do with being conditional on him going into That's the military. True. Yeah, he just and got that, him out. So Tony's now heard two separate stories. Yep, two completely different happened. stories about why he didn't go to jail. Yeah, why he didn't go to jail, and that's of course whenever Tony hears something like that, that's going to trigger. Oh dear, I've got a problem here. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So how am I going to fit this into the mess that we've already got? Yep. Because that's, so you have your first suspicion that maybe Darius's lawyer is not on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it, to Tony's, in Tony's head, it's got to be that Darius is being framed for this. Well, why? Yep. Why? What is it that Darius knows Right? Exactly. Like, what is it that he knows, right, that is going to guarantee that he has to stay in, like, that he has to go away and has to get killed? What information does he have that made it so he didn't have to go to jail? Like, there's all of these possible conspiracy things being brought up. Meanwhile, someone sets all the snakes free in In the investigator's investigator's trailer, and he gets bitten to death. Yep. Oof, right after he talked to Tony. So because Tony, as we know, there's this guy following Tony everywhere yep. he goes. Oh, yeah. And we keep seeing him. And this in this past shot, when we saw him, we saw him wearing the same hat he was wearing when he killed the woman and the kids. Yeah. So, again, they're clearly establishing that this is the killer. Yeah. yeah. And Darius is being framed. But why? Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. There's so much going on in this episode. Yeah, there is a lot going on. And it does all track when you get to the end. Yep. For sure. I. It's just weird. <laughs> just, just weird. Because I just kept seeing Matthew McConaughey. I know, I know. So we get another key piece of information because he talks to the deputy, right? And he's like, you knew Darius pretty well. Was his wife cheating on him? And Darius is like, no. And uh, and Tony says, that's weird, because Darius said that that's why she was going to leave him and take the kids, and that's why he did it. And then all the deputy says is, "Aren't isn't it time for you to leave town? Yeah. Because <laughs> the deputy knows what the town is like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. And here's the key part. So the uh, Tony goes to see the lawyers and say... I can uh, get put me on the stand and I will explain the conspiracy that's happening in this town and make a solid case for the fact that Darius didn't do it. And the lawyer's like, but he did do it. Yeah. <laughs> what a, you're just going to confuse things. 
And you're going, okay, so this is Darius's lawyer, is it? Yep. Uh-huh. And, uh... Yeah. And he's like, there's an entire... There's a giant conspiracy happening here, and you just want him to go away? Yeah. Yeah. And, so uh... It's, it's getting... And is the... And that's when the... Yep. The black woman is the black woman is also there. The the Southern Justice League person is, is also there. there. Yep. And the lawyer gets rid of her and says, Go have a drink with Tony. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great. It we do yeah. go do the great scene of Tony laying out all of these elements of the case. And it's like, there are fifteen elements here that prove that he couldn't have killed his family. Right? A huge amount. And all the lawyer can say is, except I interrupted the cops and they didn't coerce a confession. Yeah. Like they just, they didn't. And then Tony says, it can, you can do it accidentally. I coerced a confession one time. Or at least I thought it I, did. I mean, I thought I did. It turned out I didn't, but it was close there for a while. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that was such a good episode. And it's and so he, great to see a callback to that episode. You know, and then. And then he says to the lawyer, well, yeah, but you might have just gone in there so sure that he had done it. that yeah, you ended that up convincing he, him that he did. You ended up convincing him that he did do it because he has no memory. Yeah. You don't and, even have to mean to coerce a confession. Yeah. And this is where light bulbs start to go off in, in Tony's, Tony's head. Yep. You know, you can, when he's, he's getting more of this sort of, because he's finding people to talk to. Yeah. That's the thing is that Tony always needs to talk off things over with someone or bat things around to sometimes come up with new information in his head. Or mm -hmm. he'll talk to somebody about this, that, and the other thing. And then all of a sudden it goes, ah, okay, that would make sense. I could put these pieces together. So he's starting to do that. So he goes off and has a drink with this. I don't even know, was she supposed to be a lawyer as well? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, she, she's you know, a lawyer. They a and they have a, a few bit of a flirtation, but, you know, I mean, neither one of them are serious about it, but, you know, it, it's a nice little scene of the two of them sitting in the bar. And, but he's wondering just who she actually is yeah. because she's gone the next day. Well, and a key element here, right, is that, um, and this is uh, something I blame the writer for, but I blame the writer because copaganda has brainwashed people uh he tells the classic story that cops use to justify their existence of a social worker putting putting bodies pulling bodies oh. out of a river river and a cop being like i'm gonna go stop you know, someone from throwing bodies in the river rather than trying to pull them out but of course uh that posits a world in which cops prevent crimes yes and that's just not how cops work cops are an entirely reactive force they do not prevent crimes. They do not help people. They can only go after a crime is committing. Like that analogy is completely backwards. Yeah, Cops are the people who pull bodies out of rivers and social workers are the people who try to stop the social circumstances that lead people to throw bodies into rivers. Yes. And as Tony, as Tony rightly says, and I'm the one that tries to figure out why yeah. those criminals threw those bodies into the river. Yeah. So it's just weird to see Tony. Uh, I mean, I understand why he's parroting copaganda. He works with cops, but it's just weird to see here because Tony is usually so smart about things. <laughs> so then Tony goes home back to the place. 
<laughs> back to the place. Back to his uh, uh, his hotel. hotel. And the oh. cops come to pull him over. And they find a bunch of cocaine in the trunk of in the back seat of his car. And he's just looking. I don't do that stuff. Well, you know, when I was in the past 20 years, anyway. (laughs) Oh, Tony, you're so fantastic. Uh, The sheriff, of course, immediately realizes this must be a frame job, because even if Tony was the kind of guy to do cocaine, where's he going to find it in this town he's never been in before? Yes. You know, where's he going to get this back? Obviously, it's a frame job. And spoiler alert, we're never going to find out who framed Tony. We can assume it was the killer, but honestly, it's just as likely it was the sheriff's son. To get Tony out to of get town. To get Tony out of town, yeah. Because that's all he wants as well. Both the killer, spoiler alert, it ain't the sheriff's son. In case we no. haven't been super clear about who it was by now. And I guess we have. Well, it isn't the sheriff's son, but he is set up sort of like a... A red hair. A red hair. Oh, 100%. There's you even know, pictures of, like, all of them together in high school. The the husband and wife and the sheriff's son. But anyway, so but the, the sheriff... Start to, yeah. You start to second... You, you, you start to push that aside. Yeah, you do. Right? Because when, when he is the one that told Derek says no his wife wasn't wasn't cheating on him wasn't cheating on him yeah and the rest of it so you're getting all of that right Mm -hmm. so but the point is the sheriff doesn't buy it for a second so he springs tony and he says you better get out of here as soon as possible and this is where we find out because darius's lawyer is there to you know make sure that tony doesn't go to jail darius's lawyer is there and uh (laughs) Uh, he says that um, his assistant, you know, from the Southern Law Center, has left town. Yeah. So it's a really good question about exactly what's going on. Now we see the final. Uh, now we see the final arguments. And he says, and you know, the guys, uh, the lawyers, like obviously, you can't trust this foreign lawyer, right? Foreign specialist. Sorry, for this foreign psychological specialist, right? The obviously this is PTSD. A man went nuts and he killed his family and it's horrible and it's horrible, but does he deserve to die for it? I don't think so. It is uh not a really not a really good uh it's not a really good closing argument. So then <laughs> the DNA DNA, oh my god, the DA made a mistake. Right. By be well, from his own point of view, because he shows a birthday footage, like uh, a videotape of a birthday that they had right before the murders. And while Darius is watching it, he hugs himself when they're talking about uh, the the daughter's doll, Claire. And Tony notices this weird reaction of him hugging himself and is like, why is this specifically triggering to him? And so Tony starts thinking about something and it doesn't, he doesn't know what it is, but it really bothers him. And of course the DA actually does a very good job of the closing argument of just sticking crime scene photos in everybody's faces and saying, this guy, he admitted, here's the brutal crime. Give him the death penalty. Yeah. Or as, and as has been pointed out, there's nothing, nothing that the, that Texans like more than somebody who's put, put somebody to death. Yeah. In an election year. Of course. 
Yeah, so he gets convicted, and they're going to do a death penalty hearing in a couple of weeks, right? So Tony goes back, and something's bothering him. So he calls the Southern Law Center, and he finds out that Addison doesn't work there. And they've never heard of her. Sure. Yeah, and uh, and the key part is, and when the lawyer talked about her disappearing, Tony's like, you know, didn't you recruit her for this case? And he's like, no, she just showed up to work on this case, saying it was an important case to work on. So who is this woman? Where did she come from? Why did she disappear? So now Tony's got another lead to look at. So while he's calling in, he's watching the confession again. All right. And he's trying to figure out exactly what happened. Like, why did he confess when I'm sure he didn't do it? And he, uh, he doesn't have a good answer. He just, he can't figure it out. So he keeps going through the crime scene photos, keeps looking through everything. And then, weirdly, the assistant DA who got kicked off the case showed up and apologizes, telling him he wasn't sandbagged. We, the plan was not get you here to work on a not death penalty case, right? And then pull a switcheroo and get the death penalty after you've testified. So, yeah. Oh, no. And we were wrong. This is the scene, right? This is the scene where we find out that uh, Darius's lawyer had represented him off of the drug charges and got him kicked. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the scene. But where this we is found where Tony out. gets the double. This is where uh, and realizes he's heard two different stories. And she says, maybe I heard wrong. And now Tony, and he goes to Tony and Tony says, can you get me back in to see Darius? Mm-hmm. And this is the scene you were talking about. Right, yeah. where he asks about the object rape. Yes. And the guy obviously had no idea about that it was object rape. Yeah. He, had, he also, yeah. yes, and, yes. And then this is where Tony then gets him to start talking about his daughter. Yeah. Because he, wa- he was triggered by the hugging of himself. Yes. And right? he was holding his daughter and she and, kept talking to him. About needing air. And he's like, boom, that's it. That's not what she was saying. She was talking about the doll, Claire. No, no, Darius. Darius is the one that says, no, that can't be what she was saying. That can't be what she was saying. And he goes back. And he remembers the video. Remembers the whole, no, remembers the whole thing in the video. He said it was the video. Yeah. And he realized she was saying Claire. Yeah. Her doll, Claire. And that's why he mimed hugging himself. Because he was remembering the last time he was holding her. Right before she died. Mm -hmm. And so now Tony is like, I'm going to need to get, uh, I'm going to need to get this guy, all of this guy's stuff. Mm -hmm. So can you get me out to, uh, can you get me out to where all of the family possessions were kept? And of course the lawyer has no interest, but Tony demands it because he thinks he can get him off. If we can just prove something. Now, this next part of the show is slightly contrived. Well, no, it's not slightly. It's very contrived. It's very, it's, it's very, very contrived, but yeah. Unbelievably to- contrived. Uh, so Tony does, they go out to the storage facility and they find the doll. And in the doll, it turns out has been hidden an audio tape. Yeah. And here's the, uh, Here's the thing that puzzles me. Then Addison shows up and points a gun at Tony. And I have no idea why. 
this is the missing this is the missing southern yes. lawyer who was not a yes. southern lawyer I have no idea why she shows up and points a gun at Tony and demands the cassette. And the answer is because they want us in the audience to think she's in on the crimes. Because she's mysteriously showed up and then mysteriously disappeared. And, uh, right, Tony even says, are you doing the DA's dirty work? Were you put in there by the DA to mess up the case? And I'm like, if she was, I would understand her behavior here. But... When we find out in the next scene, spoiler alert, she's an FBI agent who has come to town to find out what the background is of the corruption and all this drug dealing. She's there to clean up the town. So why on earth would she have pulled a gun on Tony? I don't know, particularly with the tape. when When she overheard him finding this hidden tape, right? Of of events that happened long before Tony ever heard about the case. No, this makes no sense whatsoever. No. It is no. it is complete gibberish. They should have cut straight to the lawyer just pulling a gun on Tony and demanding the tape. Yeah. Like and this whole interlude where she could have been in the background and killed the lawyer, you know? No, but she should have been outside waiting with all the other cops. Because spoiler alert, what makes this scene make even less sense is this whole luring the lawyer out to the storage unit was a thing he cooked up with the sheriff. I know. When? Well, no, I guess he, I guess he cooked it up with the sheriff before he went to see the lawyer at the courthouse to talk about getting the family's possessions. Uh, We just didn't see that happen. But it's like, if all of that happened, why is she there with a gun pointing it at Tony? Like this part makes no sense whatsoever. Well, it, well, this is it. And he he had to have told the sheriff that he suspects that the lawyer is the killer. Yes. And the the sheriff had to agree with him. Because yes. when they go outside, there's like three cop cars full of people with guns waiting. Yep. So obviously he told the sheriff the lawyer was the real killer. The sheriff believed it. And he set up a whole thing to trap the lawyer. So this whole interlude with the the FBI agent is complete it, it's just utter nonsense yeah so uh because how uh, here here's another thing right that, that i was so how is the sheriff not into the drug dealing part of it problem that's a good question I, you know like i'm sitting here going so it's only like the judges and the da's office and yeah. not the cops the cops are still the good guys and the cops aren't corrupt but, yeah. But we already know that the investigator used to be a cop. Yeah. And I mean, technically, there's a new sheriff but now, but. Maybe, yeah. But what do you mean a new sheriff? When and all of the cops and the DA was, you know, contributing to cover this stuff up. I, like, there's so much of that that doesn't make sense. It's a satisfying ending. And we find out, of course, that this guy was obsessed with Darius's wife. Yep. And he was but threatening he Darius, that and that's and she th- she uh, made a tape of him threatening her. Yes, right, uh, and talking about getting Darius thrown in prison and uh, making threats, and he wanted to get the tape back. Yes, and that's why he did it. Yep. That's and why- to be fair, uh, I think what comes out is they mention in passing, and by the way, this is how fast this gets um, resolved. 
Because <laughs> he mentioned that he's in control and he's working with the DA and that's how he can get Darius thrown in jail. And what we're expected to believe, right, is that after being put in jail, the lawyer, Decosio, flipped on the DA because it's mentioned in a single line of dialogue that Julie, the Prius driving person who doesn't like the death penalty, is now acting DA because Borges has been arrested. So obviously the murderer had blackmail files on the DA who was the one running the cover-up drug thing and Julie didn't know about it, is what we're expecting. But it's like, that all happens off camera in a single line of dialogue. Yes. Isn't so, that the dialogue from the FBI yeah. agent? Yes. Yeah, this it, is where we find out. It's an aftermath. Oh, no, no. That, that's He says that to Darius. And then when we cut to outside, and uh, apparently Julie is going to make sure Darius gets out, and all sins are forgiven because when we cut to him out in the base, uh, basketball court, Tony, the um, Amare, the deputy, has showed up and is, you know, hanging out with his old friend Darius. Now that he knows Darius didn't kill his family, they're ready to start talking again. <laughs> So yes, it's a surprisingly oh, happy ending. And Darius, no, no. And Darius is allowed to listen to this. Oh, tape. Yeah, you're right. And the <clears throat> and he finds out, of course, that his wife hadn't been cheating on him. It was just so this. That makes him happy. Like the, everything. The corrupt else. guy was obsessed with her. And that's why they had all of these people getting convicted so easily. Because the DNA and the main lawyer in town were two parts of the same corrupt <laughs> drug dealing thing. Yeah. designed to like keep it make it look like there was no crime in the town while they were shoveling all the drugs through yeah so yeah it, it all makes sense like it all does but it's like it's wrapped up so quickly that it will make your head spin well i think it's still only what it's you see it never made it to the two hour mark no no it's still only I, a like 30 uh 90 minute episode so there's, yeah, there is so much plot in this episode yeah you know and and it needed to be, it needed to have an extra 20 minutes to kind of like give us a few of those scenes, like yeah. Tony <laughs> figuring it out, right? And talk, Tony talking to the sheriff. Yeah. For example. And like just all of a sudden, because it does come out of the blue that it's the lawyer. It's only when you go, like the first time you're watching it, it is not clear that it's the, that Tony's thinking it's the lawyer. It's, it's just that when you go back, after you know it's the lawyer who's killed the wife and the children, mm -hmm. um, that that you can see that there were clues yep. along yep. the way that you could have figured this one out. Yep. You know, when you're paying attention to, if you're paying close, close, close attention to it the first time you see it. But you'd have to be paying really close attention. Yeah, the clues are there. Sort of, you know, like, but why would, you know, it's... It, you know, right from the beginning where Darius's lawyer makes him confess. Doesn't yep. make him, just makes the suggestion that he doesn't. Because you've forgotten also one thing. When Tony's Tony is talking, at one point he gets, he does, he says, yes. He says, Darius didn't do this. And he does have PTSD, but the PTSD is, from coming is around home finding his family murdered. Coming to the house, finding his family murdered. His daughter is still alive. That's what triggered him. Yeah. So he couldn't have done it. Yeah. And that's why he never had the, uh, he never had the PTSD reactions in the interviews until he was shown the, like the details of 
the actual crime and the murder of his family because that's what was triggering him, not memories of his time in Iraq. No, what triggered him. And, and it was it was basically seeing his daughter and his wife, that that wonderful birthday yep. video yeah. that I would assume they taped to send to him. Exactly. Yeah. Right? No, it's interesting. Like it's and they, the timeline. The yeah. timeline doesn't fit either because how long ago in Bradfield? It was two or three years ago in Bradfield. Yeah, but you gotta remember that this is happening eighteen months after the family was murdered. Like the Bradfield thing only oh, happened oh, six right. months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry. It only happened that. six months before his family was killed. Or like three months or something. Like it was relatively soon after the Bradfield crime that his family was murdered. But yeah, you can get lost in that, absolutely. But yeah. Uh, no, and then he, you're right. And then he goes out and he talks to the FBI agent. And we found out that the FBI was looking into all of these obvious crimes in Luther, Texas, right? And how the, uh, the DA and the uh, defense attorneys all seem to be working together and how it was all corrupt. And it's a good, I mean, it's a good quick explanation, but they're saying that Dicosio hasn't, uh, the lawyer hasn't confessed to the murders, right? But, you know, they've got him on the conspiracy <laughs> and shooting an FBI agent. Right. And uh, the conspiracy and shooting the FBI agent. So I don't think they have to be that worried about whether or not they get him for the uh, those specific murders. He's going away forever. Well, he will get they will get him for the murders based on the tape. Yes. Based on him having a clear motive and trying to kill Tony to get the tape. And it's like it's like the ending. Like I said, if you don't have that bit where the FBI agent shows up and points a gun at Tony for no reason. Well, sort of like that. Yes. As I said, the end of, uh, anyway, yes. And then she has to explain. She just ties it all up in her knot. Because she thought, oh no, I thought you were working with the DA. And I'm like, you did? I don't really find that plausible. Like when he's, when he's going around talking about how Darius is obviously innocent and like saying there's going to, we're going to find all of this evidence and going to a, you know, going to a, like you could see, you the you could, yeah. Excuse me, excuse me. Have you not watched the FBI Beyond Borders? <laughs> I know, right? Everyone who is a foreigner is suspect. That's true, especially British people. Apparently, you can't trust their accents. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was. Just, I know. Yes, no, you have to. Accent. Yep, you have to be suspicious. But it's it's so frustrating <laughs> that scene because like. Everything he's done up until now. And it's like, also, she didn't notice all of the cops outside driving up. When she came in. Yeah. When she came, when she sneaked in. Because she was following them. I guess. guess. Yeah. No, it just, it does not track at all that ending. And I have no idea why they had that part happen. It has to be the lawyer who was following Tony. Yeah, so, no, but, like, so, oh, no, we know it was the lawyer, because we even see him in the hat, and the thing that's so funny about it is, so, Tony and the lawyer drove in their separate cars out to the, uh, out to the, um, the... Warehouse. The warehouse, and I guess she followed them, and the cops were already there, but, like, didn't notice that she drove up and followed them, and sneaked around inside, (laughs) like... It's just, were the no. cops already there? Well, of course they oh, were, because they, they might because they didn't hear them driving up. There's three yes, cops. Well, she yeah. wouldn't have known because they would have hidden their cars. And yeah, they but would've... the cops would have seen her. Is my point? Yes. Yeah, I know. And that's like, 
why would they have let her go in when the whole point was to catch the killer? Yeah, so it's that the rest of the episode is this interesting puzzle that I really like. Yes. Uh, it's, it's this interesting puzzle, and there's a lot of red herrings and a lot of confusing details, and it all makes sense at the end. Even her secretly being in the FBI looking into the DA's corruption actually makes sense. The mm-hmm. only thing that doesn't make sense is the moment where she turns up and points a gun at Tony for no reason. And wants the tape. And wants the tape. Like, wait, you know the significance of this tape? Because nobody did. I mean, only Tony because... Nobody even knew this tape existed except for the killer. Except for the killer. And that's exactly it. Nobody knew. Tony didn't know what he was looking for. He just knew he was looking for something because the daughter thought it was important as she was dying. Yes. She needed Claire. And we have to assume, right, that That the mother mother had, she had seen the mother hide it in the doll and told her daughter, you know, to protect the doll or something like that. And so she was protecting the doll. And she and that had to be what it is because she was holding the doll close to her yeah. when he came up with the knife, and then she put it behind her to protect the doll. Yep, the doll wouldn't have gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. And then she gets killed. But of course, the killer didn't has understand the significance of the doll. Well, why would he? How could he possibly? Yeah. So, but yeah, nobody knows there's a tape. Not so why on earth is she willing to, she, an FBI agent, willing to point a gun at an innocent bystander to demand a tape that she can't possibly understand the significance of? Particularly since she already knows that the lawyer is part of this drug cartel. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a weird scene. Yeah, it's it's very weird. And why doesn't she announce that she's an FBI agent? Yeah. You know, like... Why doesn't she, like... Walk in, say, FBI! FBI, both of you put your hands up. But yeah. no, like, she's point, she's threatening Tony to the point where she's not even looking at the other guy, and it gives him a chance to shoot her. Like, but you've got to know that the other guy is in on the drug deals, because that's what you were here to investigate. The fact that it was unbelievably suspicious that all of this guy's clients went to jail. You know, you knew he was in cahoots with the... Uh, with the DA, so why are you thinking that Tony is the greater threat in this situation? No, like... I, I have no idea what the rationale... I cannot come up with a rationale. And the show and, certainly isn't helping. No, it, here's... And, and this is goes to... This is the first time where I would say, yes, we have this bizarre ending. I'm not saying unsatisfactory because it does tell you everything you need. Well, no, to. but it's like you cut out the weird interlude where she shows up and points a gun at Tony and then gets shot and just like cut straight from him finding the tape to the lawyer pulling a gun and demanding the tape and Tony tossing it outside the door and saying fine and the guy walking out to and t- putting his hands up and stepping back and the guy walking outside to get the tape and finding 30 guns pointed at him. You cut out the intermediate step where the woman comes in and points a gun at Tony for no reason and gets shot for no reason, the end of this is perfect. Okay. Yes. No, no. I agree with you. Except unless, right, they were short a few minutes. (laughs) They had to add like... Well, you know what? Then spend that extra two minutes explaining... Yeah, with the sheriff explaining afterwards, giving us a flashback to how he talked the sheriff into this and explaining how they arrested the DA. I know, I agree with you. It was the, but it just, it just makes you, you say, 
You look at her and go, say what? I know. What it's so baffling. <laughs> Ugh. But anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Good. A, really. A, the thing is, I really like Wire in the Blood, the movie. It's, it is, like you say, it has that Southern fried, true crime, creepy vibe. It feels like, you know, it feels like a Grisham story. It's got... It's got the sleaze and it's got the unpleasantness and it's got Tony as the the lone hard-boiled detective like dropped into this place that he doesn't understand where everybody is a stranger and everybody is potentially threatening. And like so much of it is good and even the ending is satisfying except for this one utterly baffling part that is <laughs> dropped in just to raise the stakes in a completely nonsensical way. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So anyway, never mind. Anyway. It was over. I still it, like it. Yeah. It's not as if it's a big issue. It just is. Um, it's it frustrating. Weird. Well, it's it's weird. As I said, the whole thing is kind of weird because I keep, you know, just Tony there completely out of. Yeah. At least, you know, um, but completely out of his. It's not even his depth. It's like it's I he can't fit. At all, but yeah, he can yeah. still do his job. Yep. And this is why, and I mean, and he didn't even do a profile. I mean, nothing like that nope. because that wasn't what he was there for. And yet he still managed to do his job and he still managed to have his suspicions. And he, of course, being Tony has to follow through. It doesn't matter what, doesn't yep. matter. He doesn't understand his own danger. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many yeah. times they pull they on, they try to someone, the, Cops, maybe, or maybe the lawyer, we never find out, try to frame him for using drugs and he still doesn't back off because that's who he is. Yeah. You know, he just, he's, how many times was he told to get out of town and he just couldn't do it? Nope. Because he had a puzzle and he had to solve the puzzle. And, yeah. and then that, and being a true eccentric, mm -hmm. not like a Texan eccentric. <laughs> But a British eccentric, he's not, they don't understand him and he doesn't understand them in terms of these normal situations. He may not understand in Britain, but at least in Britain, he's a normal. Yeah. He fits eccentric. into the normal, you know, the normal spectrum of eccentricity that people are used to. Yeah. Whereas here, it's neither, neither side knows what to really do about Tony and he has to follow this. And the only guy is that investigator with the snakes. Yeah. Who gets it? Yes. He gets he gets Tony, oh, but yeah. he's laid so so laid back. And I think and, what I find kind of fun about this, right? What mm -hmm. I find really interesting about it is it's just shows how how much you can energize a um like uh, a show by mm -hmm. I mean just for one week. Taking a character who's extremely well-established and putting him in a completely different genre and context from what we're used to and just saying, and that's, I think, most of the fun of this episode is, well, how is Tony Hill going to react to being in a John Grisham novel? And it really feels fantastic as a result. You know, because like every, all of his reactions feel completely right for Tony Hill in that situation. And it's like, when you're watching regular episodes of the show, you never think to yourself, hey, what would it be like if Tony had to go to Texas and solve a conspiracy? Yeah. And it feels well, kind of weird to drop him in there, but it feels right the way he does it. 
Well, I mean, it's so funny. Yes, and it does feel right. It, somebody, when somebody was thinking this this through, it is a good, yeah, right? It it's is, a satisfying it is a mystery story, and it's a good use of Tony. Yep, but that was never the intention. It's like the last time he went to America. Yeah, you know, he was just supposed to. Uh, it was because of his book. Yeah, when he was trying to sell his book. When well, when the when the company who published his book insisted he try to sell his book yeah because i don't think tony cares about selling his book necessarily i mean obviously it's always good to have the money but he doesn't really care about the sales part he doesn't need he doesn't need the money no no i think he's doing okay it's not like he lives an extravagant life nope not at all all right so uh, i gotta say overall except for that one unbelievably frustrating part at the end uh, it is, it is a good episode, but it is an episode that like, I think you really kind of have to watch more than once. Yes. To get all of the interesting stuff they did with it, you know? Cause they do a lot of interesting stuff with this episode. There's a lot going on and I was kind of impressed by what a good job they did. So yeah. Uh, big thumb up to <laughs> prayer to the bone. Yeah. <laughs> It's really interesting. All right. So uh, that's that. Uh, as always, I want to thank you for listening and say that if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If uh, you are listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review this. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here next week or the week after, depending on what our holiday schedule is like for more wire in the blood. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. Have a good break. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.